Hi, everyone. Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Team Success Podcast. I am very excited because I have my friend and client, Janelle Bruland, with her new book called The Success Lie. And I am really excited to share this with you because she talks about a really important topic, and that is that success is what so much of us aspire to, and it's what we want, and it's what so many of us have achieved but it doesn't always turn out the way we want it to. So Janelle, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule. (laughs) I know you're not even at home right now, you're in New York, to really talk about the book, because I know that for our entrepreneurial clients, our team members, our team leaders, aspiring to success is something that everyone does. Everyone I work with know is ambitious, but sometimes you get there and it's a bit of a sucker punch. So I'm very excited to have you talking about this really important topic. And it's totally in alignment with everything I'm about and coaches about. So it's like, yay, another perspective. So before we jump in, I mean, I've known you for a number of years now through a couple of different associations, speaking engagements that we've done together. But could you introduce yourself because you can do a much better job than I can, and I want people to have a chance to get to know you. Sure. Well, Shannon, I'm so glad to be here. I'm Janelle Bruland, and I live in the Pacific Northwest, about as far away from Toronto as I could be, (laughs) but love it there, have lived there all my life, and I got into business when I was in my early 20s, and I had the idea that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I think that started when I was really young. My mom, in fact, was worried about the amount of energy and all the ideas that I always had. And she took me to the doctor one time because she was concerned about all of the energy and just wasn't sure what to do with that. And the doctor said, no, no, she's just fine. She just wants to have ideas and change the world and she's just going to be just fine. (laughs) So I started a business journey and it's been a really phenomenal one starting a service company, uh, commercial facility services out of the living room of my home. And that was really the purpose of that was I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I had been working in a, a job where I was doing that daily grind and doing a lot of hours. And I thought being an entrepreneur and having my own business Working from my home would be a great chance for me to have that flexibility, to have my own business, and to also have time with my family. And that's really how the journey began. And I just thought, well, if we take really good care of the team that's with us and our clients, the company will grow. And that's what happened. And MSNW is now over two decades old and going strong. And we've grown from my living room to being a regional company with close to 500 employees now that work with us. And so that's really been fun. And out of that, I developed a passion for growing people, growing leaders, and just super passionate about leadership and leadership development. And so began to study that. I'm a lifelong learner. And just out of that journey, just really began to work with business people and help them develop and beginning to do that more and more. And out of that came this book, The Success Lie. So that's what I'm doing now, um, leadership development, along with I'm um, still running my business as CEO. And that's really a little bit about me and my business world. I love it. And you have three girls, if I understand correctly. I do. I have three beautiful daughters who are grown now and they grew up in the business with me. And now one of them is actually president of our company, Terrell which is really awesome. And she's been in the company for a long time. And the other two are in college and doing really well, Peyton and Paige. Congratulations. When your kids are doing well, you're doing well, is what I find. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. That makes all the difference in the world. Family first. Totally. Well, 
I love it. So thank you for that awesome way for people to get to know you. So let's just dive right into it. What is the success lie? And I can't wait to hear you talk about it because as soon as I read the title, I'm like, ooh, this is interesting. I'm very intrigued. So can you define it in your terms? You bet. Well, Shannon, through my own pursuit of success and working with a number of business leaders on that journey, I discovered a pervasive lie in the world today. And really, it's become an epidemic because so many just don't realize that they bought into it. And it is the success lie. And entrepreneurs and business professionals everywhere have bought into the lie that success means more and more and more. It means that in order to achieve success, we have to do more. We've got to take on more projects. We have to be on all the time. We have to work harder, longer, sacrificing everything, even our health and oftentimes our relationships. And it's just not worth it. And people buying into this lie have become overcommitted and overscheduled and overwhelmed. And I found myself there. I mean, I had bought into that myself and I found it wasn't working and that there is another way. We don't have to be on that treadmill that society says is the way to success. We can choose to get off. And I did that through this book and developed a proven process to, instead of being constantly on and constantly overwhelmed, to be able to really define what true success is Mm. and to be able to help others be able to do that too. I love it. So let's dive into some of the consequences because... You know, that's an overview, but it really does have some major impacts when we get caught into that more and more and more. In my my sense, it's one of those things that success is a little bit out of reach. Like you reach one income threshold and you're like, oh, I thought that would make me happy, but it's not quite it. And then there must be another one or this new contract or this capability. And we keep trying to fill up something that's constantly emptying. And then we're running really, really, really fast on that treadmill and not getting anywhere. But there's consequences physically, there's consequences in terms of family, and you've seen this because you've been studying it for a very long time and had your own experiences too. What are some of the biggest costs that you see? Like what happens to people? Well, in working with my CEO group, and I think a lot of us become addicted to that success that you're talking about is we think that, well, we're gonna get here and then we're gonna have everything we want. So we achieve that success and for many of us, exponential success, but we find that we're wanting, we get there and we we maybe feel really good about accomplishing this big goal, but then it starts to feel empty and then we have to do it again and we continue to just climb, climb and oftentimes too, in the midst of that, we lose ourselves and we are sacrificing those things that are really the most important to us. So those consequences are the loss of relationship or different things that really are important. And we we put that in the backseat to others. And I can really demonstrate this by a story because I think what happens to us is we begin living on automatic and and kind of this unconscious living. And as I mentioned, I grown up in the Pacific Northwest and I still live there today. And my husband, Graham, and I love to kayak on the ocean near a home. And there is nothing like being out on a summer evening on the water on a kayak and watching the sunset and just seeing the sun glimmering on the water. And for me, it's really this lovely sunset experience for Graham. It's always exercise, but that's fine. (laughs) We can have our, our own take on it. But what happens sometimes when we're out there is I will stop paying attention and I'll get mesmerized by the sunset. And what's happened is I'll begin to drift out to sea. 
and we have this thoroughfare near us where the cruise ships and the big tankers come through. And at one point, I've drifted out enough where I'm out in that thoroughfare. And you can imagine my little kayak against a 14-story cruise ship would not be where I'd want to end myself up. So that's happened. And the good news is we got back to shore and just fine. But that reminds me of how our lives often can be. We can be going along our way, building our businesses, leading our teams, raising our families, running companies. And somehow along the way, sometimes it happens quickly, but oftentimes over a number of years, we wake up one time and we realize we are not where we wanted to be. And maybe we put 30 pounds on that. We don't know how that happened. And maybe we have that estranged relationship that I was referring to, or maybe even a divorce. We've put somebody perhaps in the backseat to other things. Those kids that we love, we talked about my beautiful daughters, and I've always wanted to be there for all those growing up years. And when those kids are born, we're so excited about and committed to being there for everything for them. And they grow up in a blink of an eye. And sometimes we miss those really important things because we put other things in front. So that really is that unconscious living, that living on automatic, and that creates those consequences. And it's not a way to live. It really isn't a way to live. That was definitely something that struck a chord. One is because you put it so eloquently. You know, it's so accessible in the book, you know, that way of doing automatic. So it made me think, it's like, oh, okay, what do I have on automatic? And I aspire to be pretty intentional. And, you know, both of us at Coach were thinking about our thinking a fair bit. But a couple of your examples, I went, oh, yeah, that could be me. (laughs) So it was really interesting. And then you make a distinction between that and being intentional. But before I dive into that, I want you to talk about what's beyond the success lie so that you actually do it on a different set of terms, because I think a lot of what we're going to talk about after this is how we go past success, because there actually is another level. It's not just the problem. You've actually laid out the solution and the tested, tried, true process for how to accomplish that, which I really appreciate. There's nothing more frustrating for me that books are incredibly articulate about the problem, but actually have no solution. (laughs) And you actually have laid it out really clearly. In fact, the problem is pretty succinctly put, and then it's like, okay, here's what to do about it. So as someone who's very practical, thank you. So let's talk about what's past success, because there is something. Yes, thank you for bringing that up. And it's so true. We get so caught up in this pursuit of success that we miss what really is there for us. And that is the best life that we can have, a life of joy and of significance. And we can move from success to a life of significance. And where that really lies is that instead of buying into the success lies we talked about, buying into other people's version of success or society's version of success, we are finally being true to ourselves and we're identifying for ourselves what is most important. Why are we here on this planet? What gifts have we been given? How do we develop those? What difference then can we make in the world? And that is the life of significance. That's the life we were all born to have. It's up to us to be intentional and to make those choices about how to go get that because it's going to look a little different for each of us, right? But we all have that within us. We have these wonderful gifts and talents that 
we're meant to give and be living within and focusing on those things. And that truly is what brings us that life of significance. Mm, I love it. And really, the book is very much about how to do that in every area. And one of the things I find really interesting is you talk very holistically about the different parts of one's life and you break it down, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. So even if you're kind of got, like me, for example, my act together in certain areas, there's going to be a couple where there's something to learn. (laughs) There's a new way of looking at things. You mentioned the word intentional, and that's the counterbalance to automatic. So talk about intentionality and how you kind of came to that insight about it. Well, it really is the opposite, as you say, of the living on automatic. So instead of this life where we're kind of floating along, not really being intentional, not really paying attention to where we're going, the opposite of that is to live with intention. And the only way that we can do that is to take the time to look deep within ourselves in those seven life areas that I mentioned in the book. So you need to be really looking at yourself holistically because we're all a lot more than work. We may spend a lot of time in work, in our careers, but really what's most important is that we have this holistic view and that we're happy and healthy and contributing in all areas of our life. So the relationships that we talked about, you know, that's one of the key life areas. And for each of these areas that we're living on automatic, the way that we go to intentional living is to really take time with each of these life areas, the physical, the mental, the spiritual, the financial, the relationships, and the fun. And we need to be looking at all of these different areas and how can we improve And one of the things that I offer in the Success Slide book are a number of downloadable tools and resources. And so there is a life plan, a life assessment, where you can actually take each of these areas and score yourself, really looking at where are you from a scale of one to 10, you know, one being poor and 10 being rock star status in each of these areas. And I love how Zig Ziglar always talked about his wheel of life, and he uses life areas as spokes on a wheel. And he said, you know, if you have one of those areas that's really out of balance, your wheel's going to be really bumpy. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you've got this great financial, you know, the whole financial piece may be just wonderful for you and your career is going wonderful for you. But if you're healthy, you don't not pay any attention to at all or your relationships, or you're not taking any time for rest and rejuvenation, you're going to have a bumpy wheel and you want to have a goal of having all of those areas being full and round. So where is it that you're thriving in what particular life areas are you thriving? Then asking yourself, how can I sustain that? And then the areas where you're not doing so well, that's where you can create an action plan around to really be able to bump up those areas and to be able to make those strong and healthy as well. That's a great point talking about sustain what is working because I think I tend to shift all my attention to <laughs> the area that is not. Right. So actually keeping what's working and not messing with that and then gaining additional skill and capability in those areas that need some need some more love is a great and very kind of healthy approach. Yes, it's a good way to do it. And you and I are both, and many listening today, high achievers and telling us to work harder and longer. That comes easy to us. It's this whole idea of balancing and giving ourselves a break and actually celebrating what we're already doing well that we're not as good at. We don't have to be tens all at once in all of these areas. We're just going to disappoint ourselves again, right? So celebrating those areas that are going well and then taking steps. 
Very cool. One of the things that really stood out from the book, and you talk about this, and I don't know if it's factory installed. And by the way, there's a phenomenal story about you, Janelle, that you've told in the book, which we're not going to reveal here. So you have to go get the book. (laughs) (laughs) But it is striking, and it's so impactful at a heart level, because you've had a major blow dealt to you. Your mindset around that is admirable to me. And it's lived through in your daughters as well, because you're just a champion of looking at the cards you do have rather than the ones you don't and playing with those. So can you talk about positivity and optimism and what difference that has made in your life? Because it really is a thread that runs through the whole book. This isn't about fixing everything that's broken. It's really about working with what you have and making the most of it, which is, again, a different mindset. And you've done that in, I would say, very challenging circumstances, which, again, you'll have to get the success lie to figure out what that is, (laughs) just to tease you a little bit, which I I have no problem doing. So talk about positivity and optimism, because that really struck me and it was quite powerful. You bet. I'm happy to do that. Well, I really believe it is an approach that I've taken both in the good times and the really challenging times of life is to have this state of optimism, this cup half full versus half empty. And it really is a choice. Like you talked about the cards that you're dealt We can't always control the cards that we're dealt. We can't control the situations that we sometimes find ourselves in, those really difficult circumstances. And whether that's a difficult childhood or it's a situation that's happened to us as an adult, we're all going to go through difficult, challenging times. And when that happens, it's a choice to have a mindset of optimism or one of despair. And I went through a very challenging time in my own life where I was suddenly a single mom to my three daughters. And at that time in my life, which was extremely difficult, I was growing my business, very heavily involved with that. My kids were young. My youngest were four and seven at the time. And there were times that I wanted to just go into the corner of my bedroom and call up in a ball and never get up. But I knew that that was not going to serve me. I knew that that type of a mindset was not going to work. I had to make the choice to get up, put one foot in front of the other, and keep going. No matter what our circumstances are, we can always choose our response. That is our freedom. We can always choose our response. And so that's what I did in that difficult situation for my own self. I thought, I am going to be the best mother that I can be, the best business owner, the best team leader, and we are going to get through this one step at a time. And that's exactly what happened. And I had to change, too, to think about what was going good in my life. We talked about celebrating the lifers and where we are doing well. Every single one of us, no matter what we're going through, can find those crystal linings. We can find those things that we're grateful for. And at that time in my life, I was grateful for these beautiful girls that I had, that they needed me. And I was so blessed to have them in my life. And I had a wonderful team surrounding me at work, and I had the support of my family. So you grab onto those things that are going well, we can all find them. And there were times, you know, bad days, we all have those, and we're going through a difficult time. Sometimes it's a minute-by-minute decision. But one of the tools that I talk about in the book is choosing to be grateful in those times. I started an exercise then that I still carry today where I keep a gratefulness journal, and I write three things every day that I am grateful for. And that just helps put you in that positive mindset, that mindset of optimism, that uh, things will go your way. That's what I believe in. 
Awesome. <laughs> and I appreciate you sharing that because a coach, we've got the positive focus and moving future, which is positive focus on steroids. And it's easy to be positive when things are going well. Mm-hmm. It is much more challenging to be optimistic and grateful when things are hard, but that's actually when it's the most useful. Yes. It's actually when it's the most strategic is when you do a deep dive and go, okay, not focusing what I don't have or what's changed in a way I didn't want it to, but what do I have? Sometimes a roof over your head, you know, if I've been away traveling, I really enjoy where I do my meditation and more. And I do the same three things. I also write down three things I'm grateful for every single day. And that helps enormously. And sometimes it's like I'm grateful for the space I'm in because I have this really comfy chair and we have a gas fireplace. And I'm like, okay, I'm just happy being cozy right now at home. (laughs) It's really, sometimes it's not complicated. The little things. (laughs) Quite often. Or, you know, when my dad was passing away, it was actually those little moments with him where we had a connection or you know, putting cream on his feet or when I was singing with him because he used to sing and that was a way he could still connect. Those were precious and I could be grateful for those even though it felt tragic all around it. Mm-hmm. That was that was really important. Right. So finding that optimism when it's challenging is really hard. And if I understand correctly from the book, it was then that you realized that it wasn't just about external success. It was really about your family. And that's where significance really came into play for you, was actually out of that circumstance, which I think is a very powerful, I'm not going to say motivator, but event in your life that really set you or clarified that path for you. Yes, definitely. And It's often in those challenging moments, those challenging times in our lives when things don't go right that we learn the most, right? And that was certainly the situation for me there too. And through that, I learned what was most important. And you narrow that focus down a little bit and you get yourself sometimes so caught up in the swirl of everything that you forget what's most important. And sometimes it's those difficult things that happen and you having to have a difficult family situation as well. You narrowed your life around those very precious moments. As you said goodbye, you wouldn't have wanted to miss that. And that's just so precious, those times. And it definitely is the hard times that can make us better or they can make us bitter. It's our choice. And that's another awesome distinction that you make in the book, better or bitter. Oh, that's one of my favorites. I wrote that down when I was reading it. Oh, seriously. And I'm always committed to being better. I'm zero interest in bitter. But we do run into people who hold on to resentments or seem to always be a constant victim in their life. And it impresses me when I see people who've dealt with very challenging circumstances and come out of it with optimism and positivity and strength. And as you said, it is those tough situations that I think are incredibly clarifying. It's ground level stuff of what's super important. I mean, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, really. But if you're confused, it's very clarifying very quickly, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. Mm -hmm. So reading your story was so fun. But I was really inspired by how you talk about your team and who you're with and your acknowledgement of your team. And you don't just look for skill, you also look for passion, which is a theme in my life. So I was like, yes. And the positivity comes into that too. So can you talk a little bit about your team and how you think of them and who you look for? Because leadership is your jam and you have a really integrated, holistic, healthy perspective on that, which I would love for people to have more of a grip on. Sure. 
Well, you really can't have a successful company without a successful team. And certainly everything about the success that we've had in the company is because of the great team that I've surrounded myself with. It hasn't been about me. It's about this wonderful team. And a lot of people you know, over almost 25 years now that have come along the way, we've looked for certain characteristics and personality, if you will, that is one of optimism and people who are passionate about what they do and those half full type of people. Because let's face it, that's who we want to hang around. We spend a lot of time at work and we want to spend time with people that are positive and uplifting. Because every time that we're with somebody that is negative, that is draining. And when we look at ourselves as a leader, it starts with us. And how we show up is so vitally important to our team members. We can either show up in a negative way, and that is going to set the stage for a negative response from other people, and that's catchy. Or we can show up in a really positive way and have that positive mindset. And when things don't go well at work, if we run into a problem, it's how are we going to solve this together? We're going to be able to figure this out rather than having issues with it and complaining about it because that really isn't solution-oriented. You want to make sure you're surrounding yourself with people that have that same type of mentality. It makes such a difference. So when we are hiring people, we have put together what we call our MSNW way, and it's based on these core values, You know, one of them being positive and passionate people with a will-take-care-of-it attitude. And that's what we look for because you can't design that in people. That is really innate in someone Um, They either are an optimistic person or they're not an optimistic person. You can train a lot of the skills, but you can't train that personality and character. And it makes such a difference. Definitely a hard to train attitude. (laughs) That (laughs) tends to, yeah, after people are fully formed and, you know, past teenage years, that's kind of factory installed at that point. Yes. Well, I like that. And it's also you know, we'll take care of it is such an incredible byline for your company. And that's really been not only is it an internal reality, it's what your clients and customers get to experience from you too. So congratulations on your incredible success. That's no small achievement to do that. And I'd love it if you talk about how you handled things during the recession, because that was a pretty big deal. Sure. But you know, that's how your company's growing is through this we'll take care of it mindset that you bring to it. And that's what people People are buying from you. Sure, exactly. Well, and we all go through challenges, not just personally, but professionally. And you, know, you bring to mind a good one. You know, we went through a, a deep recession, and that was certainly a challenging time. And I have this optimistic outlook. Then the world turned upside down, and it was just amazing how overnight, all of a sudden, the world changed. Clients that had been doing really well, great partnerships for many, many years, all of a sudden, to see them struggling when they'd always done well. And we had one client partner of over 13 years that went out of business. And watching that happen and watching loved ones of my team members lose jobs and just this fear that permeated everything. And there was a moment for myself that I got caught up in the fear that everybody else had. And one of my managers came to me at the time and said, Janelle, you're always the one that puts the wind in our sails, but you can also take it out. And I had got caught up myself in just the fear of what was going around. I mean, our construction division had shut down 30% less overnight, and there was just a lot of challenge around us. But his comment to me was really a wake-up call, and it showed me that, as I mentioned, how we show up as the leader is so important. 
um, it cascades through the organization. So if I am showing up and I am confident of who we are and where we're going and that we're going to get through this, if that's the message they're hearing from me, then we're all going to do well together. But if they're seeing a fearful leader instead of a fearless leader, then that's just going to permeate through the entire organization. So I really made some key decisions when that happened that despite what's going on in the economy around us, we're going to take this as an opportunity to learn everything we can to get back to the basics, to learn and grow, and we're going to come out of this as a better, stronger company. And that's exactly what happened. But it came back to, again, that mindset of optimism and just really making the choice of we're going to look for opportunity here versus allowing ourselves to wallow in despair or in worry or concern. Well, it's amazing that that person so eloquently (laughs) (laughs) communicated something that was really important, which was those are gifts. And then you actually did look for an opportunity and you did something that most people would not have done during that time period. And you actually got larger space, if I understand correctly. Yeah, we did. It was when everybody that my business colleagues and things were saying, hunker down, wait for this all to blow over and hold on to your cash. Don't spend any money right now. And instead, we were bursting at the seams out of a small rented office. And we ended up purchasing an office space that was double the size that we were in, in the middle of this. It was a bold move. And obviously, I've got some good advice around it. But we made that decision and that actually allowed us to get a regional contract because we actually have the space to be able to form the work and hire the people for it. So it actually ended up being very, very positive for us by making that bold move in what was a difficult time. Well, and I think that's a really important thing for people to pay attention to. And I think there's overall big things that happen in the economy, but we all have a personal economy as well. And all of us have are facing a, a challenge of one kind or another. But to look at the positive side of that and go, okay, where is the opportunity here? And what is a possible solution? And what am I seeing that other people aren't seeing, which is what you did? And then all of a sudden that opens you up to an entirely new level of business that wasn't possible before. I love that story. Mm. I think that is like, yes, that's like super fun entrepreneurial win, which is really great. Now, my brain keeps circling back to team members. It's interesting because you're in, you know, building maintenance and stuff that a lot of people would see as not being a terribly glamorous activity to be a part of, but you do, you attract really capable and passionate people. So I love that you see opportunity where other people might not in terms of even the opportunities for people in your company and to be part of such a great culture. Share a little bit about that because I like that there's just no filter. You're looking for people who bring that type of energy to your organization. Well, I think what's really neat about our industry is that we are in a service industry. And when you look at what is the why that you do something and Yes, we do building maintenance and we have janitors that clean toilets, but we're not looking at it as those type of things that we're doing, but we're looking the why behind it, that what we're doing is we're serving our clients and we're really taking great care of their facilities and keeping them healthy. And this is where they work, where they live, where they play, taking care of their lawns outside and different things that we do. We take care of everything from the roof to the parking lot. And 
our people are really looking at the servant-hearted way to take care of our clients. And they feel a lot of passion around that. Think about the medical facilities and the hospitals that we work in and we clean. We are keeping them clean and healthy so that it's a wonderful patient experience. So we're looking at, we're not just cleaning the floor or cleaning the rooms. We are making a healthy environment for the people that are there. So that's really an important mission that we look at it as what we're doing and we're in that service. I love that because everyone gets to be really clear that they're making a difference. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do to appreciate this is imagine what would happen if someone did not clean the hospital floor. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's sort of terrifying. It's like, "Ah." fortunately, I've had to be in a couple of hospitals lately, not for me, thank you, but some of my family. And it's like, I appreciate that someone puts the care into that and puts their heart into it and appreciates that this is an environment to be kept healthy and frankly, a more challenging environment than most. So the fact that someone comes in with that service mindset, I'm grateful for that. But I think, again, A small-minded perspective, someone might not see that, but from the larger perspective, that's the difference that people are making. And I don't know a single human being, at least the kind that I like to spend time with, that don't want to be making a difference. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't someone want to be able to do that, which is really powerful? Thank you. I love it. Good. You're talking about team and the importance of that. And going back to one of the subjects, really the main subject in the book of overcoming overwhelm and achieving peace of mind. As a team member and as a team leader, in the workspace, we are often, instead of fixing the overwhelm or taking care of it, preventing it, we're contributing to our team's overwhelm. And speaking of our industry, the maintenance industry that I'm in is a 24-7, seven days a week, we are responding to client needs. So as team leaders, oftentimes we are not setting a good example of what that true success looks like. We are ourselves getting caught up in the overwhelm. We're having really high expectations and demands of the people that are working with us. We're not setting any kind of example of taking our own time off for rejuvenation, of putting that time first to take care of ourselves first, because obviously we don't take care of ourselves. We're not any good to anybody else. So if we're not setting a good example there for our teams and they see us as this work addict who's constantly just going, going, going and never taking the time to stop, then we contribute to that overwhelm for our people. We're telling our team that this is okay, that this is an acceptable way to live. We're doing it and look what we're doing to ourselves. But you can do that too then because we're setting this poor example for you. And that's where as team leaders, we really need to stop contributing to that overwhelm in our teams. And by buying into this success lie, we we are doing that. So what is the coaching that you give to team leaders? And I'm so glad you brought this up because obviously team leaders are one of my favorite audiences as our entrepreneurs and team members. And leadership, again, is your thing. So is it a matter of getting team leaders to actually overcome the overwhelm for themselves first and then pass that on to their teams? What kind of coaching do you give specifically to people? Yes. Well, it really starts with us. It has to start with us. And then how we are behaving, everyone in the organization, everyone that's working with us is looking to us to set the example. So it has to start with us and that we're being really deliberate and intentional of our working, of our priorities and how we're scheduling ourselves in our lives. And then if we're mirroring a really good example of that, then they will follow. And so I think it has to start with us. 
What I do is I share with the team. I mean, talking about putting myself first as far as getting the rest and the rejuvenation that we need. I talk about the importance of taking care of ourselves and taking time for rest and rejuvenation. I set up my calendar a long time in advance. And thanks to Strategic Coach and your wonderful free days that helped to get me on the path years ago. And those are things as team leaders that we need to do. We need to schedule that time that we can take for rejuvenation and then share that with our team so that they're seeing that example. I've actually had someone on the team that absolutely would not take any time off, even though I was setting the example for it. And unfortunately, someone had to eventually move on because then they were a team leader on my team leading others. And then everybody below them thought that they also had to work the seven days a week and never take any days off either. And it just really contributes to burnout all the way around. So to answer your question, starting with yourself, make sure that you're setting that example of what a healthy work-life balance looks like. And then teaching that to your team and holding them accountable to it, being ready and willing to call them when they are not taking care of themselves the way that they should, and also contributing to the overwhelm of their own team. I love this point. And you talked even at the very beginning about, you didn't say sustainability, but the ability to sustain. And I think part of the success lie is that you get to the top and stay there. (laughs) The ability to actually sustain it, I think is a really key point you know, working 24-7 is a very short-term strategy. Mm -hmm. Most of us have the opportunity for a very long life if we make some of those right decisions that you're talking about, if we're intentional about it. It's time to get smarter. It's time to get wiser about how we lead our own lives, what example we provide for other people's. So I love the idea of providing a consistent example for others, but then holding them accountable. Mm-hmm. We do free days here at Coach and everyone has the same amount. So we like the work hard, play hard kind of mentality. And we actually sit down with people and if they're not taking their free days, we will say, okay, we'll do it well before the end of the year. And say, so, okay, you've got a time limit on these free days. When are you mm-hmm. going to take them? Which is totally opposite to some corporate cultures that I'm familiar with, where it's like, oh, it's actually a badge of honor to not use your vacation days. It's a very different mindset. So in addition to time off, what are some of the other key things that you like to see leaders do or could do better that would be useful? Well, definitely creating time to be focused is so important and to work on the projects and things that are most important. I think that so many of us, myself included, can get caught up in the things that are not important. We get caught up in the urgent, kidnapped by the urgent. For many of us, there's so much going on. We have so many balls that we're juggling that we find ourselves fighting fires. What I work with on my team, what I work with for myself is really identifying what are the most important things that we need to be working on and what we're best at. And then we eliminate everything else. We have to put that aside because it's not healthy for us to try to have this huge list of activities that we're going to be doing. And then we just don't have the time to do it. And it's, we get into this burnout situation. So really working with my team on what are the top things that they need to be working on and getting them in the right seat. That's definitely something that's very important We talked about personality and really looking at the character of an individual. But when you're hiring for a position, you do want to have somebody that is a skill fit as well. Um, Is it something that they can be passionate about and that they're good at? And if you can really tie that all together, then you really have the sweet spot for somebody to help them be able to be successful. 
Mm, I love that. I also really like the example in the book where you realize that you actually were working too hard. I mean, yes. so many of these lessons are actually, okay, you know, here's what I learned from doing <laughs> it the other way. way. I know. <laughs> it's very genuine, I might add. Mm. But you realized that you were like, oh my gosh, you know, I need to do some things differently. I'll let you share that. But then you started to add people in because you were working on everything, not just those few things. Can you share that? Because I found that really insightful. Yes, you bet. Well, I thought of myself that I was doing it all really well, and I talk and I teach about life mastery, and I actually thought life was going really good. The business was growing. My kids were doing well, and I had a situation where I had a little bit of a health scare, and I ended up in the doctor's office, and fortunately, everything checked out okay, but he said to me, you know, Janelle, there's nothing wrong with you physically. I don't need to do surgery on you, but you do need to do surgery on your schedule because you have set up something for yourself that is just not working. It's not sustainable. And I realized that I needed to make some changes. And it came out of my the intentional calendaring that I now put together and show as an example in the book came because I had my schedule packed so full with so many things that I had a good friend and colleague call up to get together for coffee. And I couldn't find time in my schedule for two months. I mean, it was just nuts. And I realized that I needed to take a really good hard look at my schedule. And as you mentioned, to decide what I needed to be working on and then get those other things off. And some of those things I delegated off to other people that they could do. Some of those things I just had to give up altogether. I was serving on a number of committees and it just was time for me to say no. I love saying yes. We all love to say yes. And I realized that that was not serving me well and I, and it was okay. And I gave myself permission to say no to some things in my life. And those are really the things that maybe I was not passionate about anymore. Maybe when I signed up for a really special project or committee, I was passionate about, but then I wasn't anymore. Those things that really weren't in my sweet spot, that weren't something that I was really good at, I shouldn't really be doing. And again, just narrowing those down to what really was most important for me to be working at. And I got myself back on track. Brilliant. And as you mentioned, we can decide to live this life of intention and we can do well for a while, but we have to realize we're human. We're going to get stuck along the way. And as people follow this proven plan in my book, it does work. But we also have to realize that we're human and there's going to be times we get off track. And through the systems that I put together, you can identify that and be able to get yourself back on track quickly versus being on automatic and going off for far too long before you realize you've ended up where you don't want to be. Yeah. And you also give a great example that at 1% off on direction, you know, if you're 1% off when you're heading somewhere, you will end up being really far off your destination over time and over distance. It's amazing just how far off you would get, right? which is kind of good shocking. (laughs) It's like a bit of a wake-up call. And the other thing that's really great about your proven process and plan, first of all, it's a practice. So like you said, we can think things are working great and then go, oh, actually not so much. But it is a practice. So it's a matter. And this is where, again, we're like, in terms of our thinking and with strategic coach, it's so aligned, is we're thinking about our thinking. And you 
give people a ton of exercises and the scorecard, you know, and ways to really think about their thinking. It's like, well, how are you doing this? And what are the results? And how is this working for you? And are you awake about this and intentional or are you asleep and is it on automatic? <laughs> yeah. So I love that. I'm like, oh, she's thinking about her thinking. I love it. So on that note, how can people get the book and I love it because this is like hot off the press. And how can people connect with you and find out more about your leadership coaching? And I love, by the way, that you have developed this within your own life and your own company. And now it's time to share it with a larger audience, which I always find inspiring. And you still have your company. So you still have your lab is how I like to think about it for me. Um, so how can people get in touch with you? Well, thanks for asking. The Success Lie is available now anywhere books are sold. And you can get it in the hardback version. You can get it in an ebook version or audible version. So go out and buy that and learn how to take back control of your life and live the life that you've always wanted, the one that you are deserving of having and your best life, that one of significance. And if you want to connect with me directly, I would love that. Um, you can go to jamelbrudland.com or thesuccesslide.com and connect with me there. I have a podcast, Intentional Leadership, where I share a lot of these different tools as well. So please feel free to reach out to me. I would look forward to that and go buy the book. Yay. And give me feedback. I'd love to hear about it. And go online and do the scorecard. <laughs> I love that. Janelle, thank you so much because I think you've hit on an issue that is really true for a lot of people. I think there's so much external, I'm not going to say pressure, but information and feedback and you know, a lot of direction externally to all of us. And unless we match that with our own internal intentionality, we can get overwhelmed by all the messages from outside. So I love it because I really feel like you help strengthen people's internal insight, thoughtfulness. Who are you? What are your gifts? How can you make maximum advantage? What does it make sense for you to be doing and what does it not? How can you surround yourself with people who are capable and skilled and passionate about those things that you aren't? What do you say yes to? And although it's really difficult, what's important to say no to? You just bring all of those into play. Like there's no area of one's life that's not touched by your thinking and by your stories and by your exercises. So it's very rich, <laughs> which is what I love. And it's also action-oriented and practical, which, as I said, is super important. And by the way, everyone, there is a phenomenal forward by Stephen M. R. Covey. So the number of people who rave about you is not small. <laughs> I love it. Hal Elrod, Dan Sullivan, Tom Ziegler, Mel Robbins. So definitely you've touched and impacted a lot of people. And I'm excited that they get a little taste of your thinking right now and go by the success lie. I think you'll find it very insightful, certainly for you and guaranteed for somebody that you know that's just overwhelmed and in need of some coaching and direction for how to get out from under that. So Janelle, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom. And I'm excited to be a little small part of helping get this message out to the world. Thank you so much, Shannon. It's such a privilege to be on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I hope you found this incredibly useful and inspiring, and I hope you take some action on what Janelle and I have talked about. If you have any questions, please let me know at questions at strategiccoach.com. And as always, here's to your team success.